Well, thank you, Terry and music folks and Rachel and everyone making worship possible this morning. We continue our series on Ephesians, Victorious Living, and this morning we're looking at overcomers. And uh, I love that verse in John 16:33 that she just read. And, and I love the translation that says, in this world you will face persecution, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And, uh, and we're thinking about that idea of being overcomers. And Paul, as we continue in this series, and as I said, we're in Ephesians chapter 3, 7 through 21. And Paul, in this passage, you can sort of listen to it, gives us a challenge to overcome and how to do it. And then Paul prays for exactly that. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, we've been in this series on Ephesians entitled Victorious Living. This morning we're looking at overcomers. And um, I don't know about you, but Savannah and I, we love TV shows and movies that are about overcoming obstacles. And if it's an underdog that's overcoming some obstacle or challenge, then it's, we're all in on that. And of course, so we, we've been sometimes on like the, the OC, which is an overcoming story in, in some way, way, shape, or form. And, uh, and, and One Tree Hole, if you go back to some of that and some of those things. But for movies, the same kind of thing. This spring, it was Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that, it, although they're overcoming, I know it's Tom Cruise. He's got all these gadgets and all these kinds of things. But it's against all odds, you know. He's doing all kinds of things, motors, jumping out of a, uh, out of a plane and uh, taking a motorcycle over a canyon with a parachute, trying to jump onto a, a train and all these kinds of things. And, uh, and he does it, right? And against all odds, he's an overcomer. Have you ever felt like your life was sort of mission impossible? I don't mean the parachutes and the motorcycles over a cliff, but I mean just like the day was sort of mission impossible, facing obstacles and challenges that seemed to overwhelm us at some time. And I think one of the reasons that we like those kinds of movies, particularly for an underdog, is we can kind of relate to that. We relate, of course, to the challenges that we face, but also, gee, wouldn't it be good to, to overcome these kinds of things against all odds? And so I think in some sense that Paul is striking that note here 
In this book of Ephesians, which is many people regard, many scholars regard it as Paul's most victorious book, his most victorious letter, and it is. It just rings with a kind of jubilation. And you would never guess that Paul is writing to people that are against all odds. Even more that you wouldn't guess is that Paul is in prison when he writes this. He's facing all kinds of challenges and, uh, and adversity each and every day, and yet he's striking such a jubilant note, such a victorious note. And so I think Paul is inviting us into this to discover the secret of maybe how we can do that. And of course, all along, we've been looking at those kinds of things. And, uh, and so today, as we look at these things, Paul really, I think when you sort of boil this down, of course I said there's a challenge and then there's a, there's a prayer. But Paul really, I think if you boil it down, is saying that two things are what we need to do that, to be overcomers. And the first is to be connected to God's power, to be plugged into God's power. And then the second thing is to be established in the foundation of God's love. To be plugged into the power, to be connected to that power, and to be established in the love of God. And then we can face any challenge and any adversity, any obstacle, and through that, through Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can overcome anything. And so I invite you to walk back into the scripture. We said that, you know, there's a sense, Paul didn't have this map, I suppose, but um, the, there's a great book out that I recommend, Managing Transition by William Bridges. And he says that all of us face challenge in facing transitions in life, some good, some bad, but what we really need is at least four things. He said, we need a purpose, we need a picture, visual, we need a, a plan, and we need a part to play. And on all those things, Paul has all of those baked into somehow, into this book of Ephesians as I look at it. And then Paul has another thing, which is to be plugged into the power the means of getting from here to there. And so that's just incredible. So as we look at this today, the first part is sort of being connected to God's power. And Paul walks through this, and if you just note as you look through this, that Paul says power so many times, and he uses these sort of extravagant terms. So he says, um, uh, through the working of his power, and this is about God's grace as we face all these things. And then he says in 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through the Spirit in your inner being. And in those words, a number of times he interchanges them with the word dunamis in Greek, which is dynamite or dynamic or big dynamos that we put in hydroelectric dams for power, and uh, krakatos, which is the word used for krakatoa. Uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, volcano of all time. And the sound from this huge explosion went around the world. And they would have been familiar with Krakatoa this time. And so Paul is digging into this imagery to say this is the kind of power that you can get connected to. And that God's power, now it isn't to push people down, it's to lift people up and to overcome the challenges and adversity that that all of us face, even as Paul, we last year, we in the summer, we journeyed with Paul through the book of Acts and all his adventures in the first and second and third missionary journey and his final trip to Rome as he was willing to give his testimony before Caesar and gave his testimony faithfully and was willing to give his life to be a martyr for the Christian faith. And Paul thought it was a privilege to do so. And Paul had strength and courage to face all of those challenges through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of us do. We face challenge adversity, maybe not at this level, but every day we face challenges. Maybe it's the loss of a job or changing a job, starting a new job. Maybe it's financial strain or relationship strains. Maybe it's sickness or illness for ourselves, a loved one, or the loss of a loved one. But we are buffeted sometimes in the storms of life, and so to be plugged into the power. I, um, 
I don't really relish the fall shore, sometimes the spring shore too. And frankly, after every time I mow the lawn, I use a little bit of the, the weed blower, you know, the weed blower thing. And I have a, I have an electric one because I want to be a little more environmentally conscious and it was cheaper. So, <laughs> but I get that out. I got a long extension cord. And, uh, and sometimes as I'm trying to get clear to the edge of things, I accidentally unplug it. You know, I stretch a little bit too far and bam, and, and the power goes off. And sometimes you think, well, you know, it's just the switch and you fool the switch all you want to. But if you don't go back and get plugged into the power there, nothing you can do. You know, you got a nice piece of equipment. Uh, you can pull the switch all you want to, but if you're not plugged into the power, the source of power. And so Paul is saying, you know, we're not the source of power, but God's power flows through us, particularly if we are in tune with what is God doing around us. And God knows all the challenges and adversity that we face. And so Paul is saying to get plugged into this power through the power of the Holy Spirit and not in our own strength, but in God's strength. And then the other thing is to be established, Paul says, rooted and grounded in God's love. That's God's agape love that we talk about so many times, God's uh, unfathomable love for us that is rooted in his character and nature of love. And so to be rooted, like, you know, a good tree growing up, rooted and grounded and established on that. Last week, we talked about those three images that Paul gives us, a, a bridge and a family and a foundation. So this foundation that we need to be established or hooked into so that we can weather the storms and adversity of life. And so where are you on this incredible foundation? And then Paul says, and I love this, he's talking about love. He says that we understand uh, the incredibleness of God's love. He says how wide and how deep to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Ben, you go way back to VBS. Everyone used to do the deep and wide song. Deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide, and we go real fast. It was kind of a fun thing. You need to bring that back sometime. It was a lot of fun with the hand motions and, and all, but Paul is challenging us. But what is maybe your image of how deep and wide God's love is? You know, what can you imagine uh, that is just immense? For me, one time I went diving in what's called the Blue Hole of Belize. I don't know if you have heard of that. But it's just like six miles. I don't know how many miles wide it is. But from the air you can see, it's real clear. We actually went over it when we flew to Belize. And uh, it's like perfectly circular. And it just goes down. <laughs> People don't know where it really came from. There's a number of theories about that. But more importantly, it's just, it's just deep blue. You go and, you know, it's 100 feet and then bam, it just goes down People don't know how many hundreds or thousands of feet. And so we went out and dove in that. And it's one thing to see from the air, but then uh, we dove down about 150 feet plus into this hole. And it's like, man, you're just like floating in this world where the, the colors are so different and there's life. You could see sharks way across there. I was happy they were further away. Um, and uh, it's just immense. And you just get a sense of it, that creation is just so immense beyond what we ask or think. And here's Paul calling on this imagery. Or some time ago, Savannah and I went out west for one of our summer vacations. And it, she always helps plan these vacations. And I said, well, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon. And she all the time, I showed her pictures, you know, pictures are the Grand Canyon. She said, Dad, it's just a big hole. I mean, what? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, 
over and over. Dad, it's a big hole. Get over it. And, uh, and then we, we drove all day. It was quite an adventure, frankly. And uh, around the, uh, after a, we went through a blizzard in June, believe it or not, uh, through Utah, blizzard into, then into the area of Utah and then over to Arizona, this immense pass and uh, something I never expected in the middle of the night, frankly. But um, there, there we were. We finally made it, and then we had travel around you know, the North Rim and then around the South Rim. By the time we made it to where, kind of where we were really going to set up and, and see the Grand Canyon for the first time, it was, it was like sunset. Hadn't planned it that way, but and we walked out there, and she just goes, oh, Dad, this is so beautiful. It's just beyond anything I could imagine, you know? I went from whatever to like, wow. <laughs> And yeah, many people, I think it's that way. It, it just, and we just enjoyed the next few days. We always said it's one of our favorite places to go. We want to go again. But I don't know what image you can call to mind that is just beyond what you can kind of stretch and say, this is beautiful, this is magnificent. But Paul's just saying, this is immeasurable. How long and high and deep and wide is God's love? Because beyond that, it's this boundless love. And so Paul is drawing on this and saying, you know, that image you used before, really of the cross. God's purpose is to reconcile us to God vertically and to neighbors, relationships horizontally. And God is doing this through what Christ did on the cross. And if we can be overcomers, and we can be overcomers through, through Christ's love, by being plugged or connected into the power, and by being established on God's love and in Christ's love. And um, I love the song you were playing, Chris, there. Uh, wonderful story of Karl Barth. He's this great theologian of the 20th century and really the, one of the paramount theologians during the course of World War II, wrote immense tombs of theology, tomes of theology, rather. And I really never... I've ever met anyone who read all of Barth's works. <laughs> Might have had them, but not every word in all of them. But they're just so thorough and immense. And, um, but one day he was lecturing at Harvard in the latter part of his career. And some, when he was done with the lecture, did a Q&A thing. And, uh, and at one point towards the end of that, someone stood up and said, Dr. Bart, you know, it's a Harvard. <laughs> some sophomore or something. Said, what, was, what is the greatest theological truth ever? you've ever can imagine, you know, because there's this immense intellect there. And uh, Karl Barth, without hesitation, said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but we are strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. That is the most profound truth. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how much experience you have, how many books you've written. That, Paul would say, would challenge us. This immeasurable love of Christ, how deep and wide and long and high and beyond you can imagine, be anchored in that. Not all the shifting sands of the world, not all the flurring kinds of things in culture. All those might be good, but be established on the foundation that only comes through Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. So today, where have you? Have you faced the adversity and challenges and you feel like some days your day is a mission impossible just to get from here to there and you don't have all the resources of Tom Cruise? Well, Paul would say, get connected to power, the power of the Holy Spirit that you have through God. And to be established on the foundation, the only one true foundation, which is the love that we have 
in Jesus Christ. And when we falter and fail, God is there to pick us up and to forgive us and to imbue us with his grace. I want to close with this thought, which is that I love ships, ships and airplanes and all that sort of thing. So I like the Mission Impossible and motorcycles. And, uh, but one of the things about ships, I used to live on the, on the coast, is that many times as they've, over the course of history, have analyzed uh, some shipwrecks. They found out that what appeared to be very seaworthy vessels, immense vessels, sometimes a tanker or something, would go down in only a modest storm, only modest wind and waves, not a hurricane, modest wind and wave that they should have been able to handle. And what they began to do was to x-ray the hulls and ships, and what they found is when a ship has gone through decades of service, because of the constant battering of the wind and the waves, particularly the waves, which caused by the wind, that they developed little fissures, micro fissures in the hull of the ship. And it's called metal fatigue, metal fatigue. And when they discover that, if they don't, if they fail to discover it, then at some point in time, when the ship is out in a modest storm, just a moderate storm, the hull will begin to crumble and cave and buckle and the ship could go down. And so what they do is they x-ray these ships every so often and they can find these weak areas, these micro fissures, uh, metal fatigue fissures in the stress of the hull, then they can repair those parts of the ship and make sure that ship is seaworthy. That's part of the requirements today. Now, we don't, maybe have metal fatigue, but we do have mental fatigue, do we not? As we sometimes face the winds and waves of life, we have this mental fatigue and emotional fatigue, maybe even spiritual fatigue. And, and sometimes in challenges of adversity and storms of life that we should normally be able to handle, we have a failure, a meltdown. We begin to sort of buckle under the pressure and stress and buffeted by the wind and waves. And I think as we listen to the voice of Paul and read these words, Paul would whisper to us that we can go back and to be nourished and rebuilt through the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to face the storms of life and to be established on that firm love of Christ which can renew us. And surely we will gather around the Lord's table, which is another avenue, even as we worship and sing God's praises and listen to God's word and nurturing through the Holy Spirit, and we gather around God's table to be strengthened again, to face all that we face in the world, that God is there through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, said that there's really three kinds of faith. He was fond of saying this, to continue with the imagery of the ship and the water. And he said that... <clears throat> Really, there's three kinds of faith. And the first is a, a struggling faith. And he said, and that's like that, that Christ is in a boat and we're out in the water in the storm. And uh, we're kind of, we know where the source is and we're struggling towards the source, but we're struggling in the storms of life, in the winds and waves. And then he said there's clinging faith. And clinging faith was that, that you would cling to the side of the boat, right? And the boat, you know, in the wind and waves, that would have some relief, he said, but really the best faith is resting faith. And resting faith is when you're inside the boat. And Jesus is in command and we are able to rest, even though we face, and we do, face the storms and the wind and waves of life and those storms that we are resting in the boat. And I think Paul would agree with that so much. 
And we think of Peter when he, you know, took a step of faith out as Jesus called him into the, the, to walk towards him on the water. And Peter was fine when he kept his eyes on Christ. And all of a sudden, he looked down the wind and waves, and there he was flailing in the water. And then he cried out to God, and Jesus reached down and lifted him up, and instantly they were in the boat. And so this morning, if you're out there in a storm and you're doing the struggling faith thing, then, you know, call on God. Look to Jesus, and he'll reach down and not only take you from the clinging faith to the resting faith in the boat. Be an overcomer, not through your own power because we all grow weary of that. We do face challenge and adversity, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and the foundation of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Jesus said, in this world, you will face tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want to end by praying this prayer for you that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Will you join me in prayer? For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. So be it.